And hello, hello, welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. Zach and Alex here as always, but today we have a guest. Um, you you know him, you may love him, um, depending who you are. Um, I assume most people love you. Matt Weaver. Matt Weaver joins us once again on the Gay Racing Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back, I'm so stoked to be here. So I, I told you guys, and this is not me BSing y'all, uh, we did a show <laughs> back in, I believe, August, and yeah. it was the most fun mm-hmm. I've had talking racing in a long time. And so, yeah, I, I know we talked about doing like the 24 hour of, of Daytona kind of watch party and we couldn't do that because I was in Cordial and yeah. that was just a, a yeah. logistical hurdle. But the point is I've been looking forward to coming back on the pod for like a long time. So I'm so stoked. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for squeezing us um, into your busy schedule. Cause uh, you, you have a lot going on. Um, you had a busy weekend. <laughs> it is busy. Number it's one. Very yeah. Busy. <laughs> Yeah, you're listen. You're doing you're doing the work, man. I every uh, more people appreciate it probably than you realize too. Um, and just just you as a per- person, people appreciate you. Um, so, Matt, since you were last year, you have um, you are a part of Racing America. They have started. I broke the news on the podcast that I was leaving. Did you? Yeah, yeah, right. You did because like you got fired that day. Um, well, so fire. Listen, well, released. Mutually- release i don't i don't like saying fire because it sounds like i I didn't have something in in my back pocket i presented the back pocket option and auto week could have been a part of it and it wasn't in the cards for them um so we 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 mutually agreed to my 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 removal or my departure that's probably a better word for it but no i i I did i I only said I only said fired because that day I remember when you got on the Zoom call, you're like, I just got fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like as a joke. I it's a joke. No, so I'll yeah. say this. So now that we got now that we know what I'm doing now, um, yeah. I, I can talk about it more freely. But there was an option to where I could have stayed at Auto Week. And I, I want to be very clear. I love Auto Week. I love the brand, yeah. I love mm-hmm. the history, and I, I wanted very much to continue to be a part of it. And that to me was an option it wasn't an option to them um when i agreed to do what i'm doing now which is racing america um one of the things we talked about is that i i spearhead their their short track coverage and i could still continue on at auto week and and auto week either wanted me to be all in on auto week or or not at all short track scene was kind of grandfathered in and so when that part of the auto week component couldn't happen um the talks with racing america said well how about you bring over all of your coverage and let's just do all the things you're doing and make it part of racing america and remember at the time i was doing you know nascar and indycar for auto week i was doing my short track stuff for my own website short track scene i was doing sprint car and and midget coverage for uh flow and this is from a logistical standpoint just on me the the burden on me has kind of been lifted because instead of having to work with three different people and almost yeah. kill myself, I've, I've found a yeah, home right. that lets me do everything together. And oh, um, that's so perfect. I'm sure at this point we've all seen racing American and we know what the website is. It's, it's still a work in progress. Um, we're still in the early days for sure. Uh, we just introduced the NASCAR component this past week with the clash. Right. And yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how I want all these different pieces to live together. And at some point, you know, IndyCar is going to live there too, in some way or form um the name you know the name to me is so representative of what i want the website to be to basically where (laughs) if it's racing in america we're there 
thus racing america if it's so. gay and racing it's here that's what yes. that, exactly yes. that's exactly how i feel about the name of this podcast yes. it's like a simple name that like mm-hmm. no one else has used somehow it's, yeah oh snap it works. <laughs> listen I, i've worked for a website before called uh, uh race 22 and racing america used to be speed 51 and to me the challenge with a name like that is is you go into the marketplace and you try to tell people well who do you work for race 22 or speed 51 well well who is that like right what do you do well if i say racing america it's like well are we talking motorsports or horses well in this case (laughs) motorsports okay that's that's one question you know yeah it's a yes or no (laughs) but but you know gay racing podcast it's gay racing podcast yeah like what else is there to like story. About it? i think the name and the identity has to be tied together and in the case of racing mm-hmm. america for sure it is oh my god well and i am i oh go ahead alex i had a question uh, racing america is intertwined with like the rta right mm-hmm. with all the nascar chartered teams i didn't know it was going to come from that and i actually have really liked what has come with it at least on social media because it's really made all the nascar team social media more interactive at least it seems like that to me. Yeah. Like I see so, yeah. interacting with race in America and stuff. I think it's really cool what's been done with it. Yeah. So I want to be fully transparent. You know, I, I feel like my my current role is not to be the traditional independent journalist. Because I, listen, I my check comes from a company that is owned by the, the entities that I'm covering, the, the NASCAR Cup Series team. So I think the transparency is super important. And I, I, I it's, it's hard to balance. And I, I'm still trying to figure out how to exist in this way because I still want to tell very honest stories. And I want to tell, I want to take people into the inside of the sport. And sometimes that's not very pretty. And I'll give you a really good example. I wrote a story over the weekend on Sunday about how it was, it was such a cathartic, and we'll get into this. It was such a cathartic experience at the end of this Coliseum race that worked because the months leading up to the race were anything but happy and, and joyful. There was a lot of um, animosity and tension and infighting, and I was able to write about that. And so to me, I think this can work as long as people know that I'm still shooting them straight, that I'm, I'm still Matt Weaver. I'm still going to have opinions that you may or may not like. Right. And the stories that I tell are not going to be slanted by the fact that I work for the teams. We're going to talk about real things that happen. And that's going to be a, a hard thing for me to balance sometimes. But I think so far it's gone really well. And I think a lot of that is trust um, from the, 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 the team presidents at the NASCAR Cup Series level who all had to agree that I, that I come on board when uh, the, the RTA media bosses uh, Colin Smith brought me on board you know, that had an approval process. So all the team presidents had to say, yeah, we like Weaver. We don't like Weaver, whatever, vote on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm here, but I, I think it's gone well. Um, everyone agrees that I have to be able to tell stories a certain way or it's not going to work for, for me. And me being there, I think gives them a, a certain level of, you know, not to pat myself on the shoulder a little bit, but it gives them credibility too, especially on the short track side. It's like, as the former Speed 51 transitions to become about more, for anyone who says, well, you don't care about short track racing anymore, they can then say, yeah, but we've got Weaver. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the, um, yeah. the way this all works. And so I'm going to continue to be a really honest storyteller. Uh, I'm going that's to good. 
share things that I, I believe in, don't believe in. My opinion will always be a part of what I do for better or for worse. And so I, I think the coverage that you see on Racing America is not going to look too different than, than it did on Auto Week. Yeah. And in some ways, I think it'll actually be better because not that I had a hard time getting a hold of people before, because I think I have really good relationships with everyone in the, the Cup Series garage. But mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that the, the, the Cup Series teams own this product will make them more willing to be a part of it. Um, I think it's more important for them to, you know, shoot me straight and to work with me to help tell a story that's both real. I mean, it's not PR. It's it's a real conversation, but mm-hmm. also allows them to feel like they're involved in it. And ultimately, my goal is that I want to grow racing in America, right? It goes back to the name and the identity. And that's their goals, too, as the Cup Series team owners. Um, RTA Media wants to grow short track racing. That, that's always been my goal. And so I, I think so far, so good that we, that we want to tell honest stories and we want to grow racing in America. And, you know, it's still going to evolve, but it, we're, we're now like five months into it. Well, I guess the, the name officially changed in November. So three months into it and so far, so good, I think. But you guys tell me. I would say so. Like, I would really say like so. Yeah. I think you got a lot of good stuff going for you right now. And it makes me it makes me really happy for you. Um, you seem like you're doing some good stuff. And the the thing about the balance, striking that balance, that, that's got me thinking. That's got me thinking a little bit. Because um, I, I could not imagine. It feels like there's a lot of different moving parts kind of involved with it. Um, but for sure, I, I think it's going great. So, you know, you, you're, Matt, you're Matt Weaver. That, that's kind of how I see you. I'm like, you're Matt Weaver. You look professional. You are professional. You get it done. That's how I see you. Well, um, professional-ish, right? There, there are some times right. that I probably could could stand to be a little more more polished. But I also think there's a certain degree of uh, authenticity that's yeah. always been a part of yes. the the, yeah. the Matt Weaver experience. The Matt, like, the brand. I, I struggle brand. with that, right? Because sometimes, well, my brand I, is like cussing on my podcast too. Like yeah, it's well, like <laughs> that's me on my Twitter too, right? Didn't like I tell yeah. Anyone? I told that one yeah. guy kissed my ass. It's <laughs> <is> very professional. <laughs> but, so on one hand, I want to be someone that the industry views as being um, being trustworthy and being um, professional and, and being a, a pillar. But at the same time, I also want to be, you know, short track background, dirt racer family, you know, grassroots kind of blue collar, um, independent Matt Weaver. And sometimes blending the two, it's not, it's like oil and water. Sometimes you can't be both. You have to pick one right. or the other, but I'm trying to mix them. And somehow I'm still here. <laughs> and I say all the time, if I had like a slogan, it would be still standing. Anytime someone Ooh. says, well, you shouldn't do okay. it this way, or it's not professional, or I wish you wouldn't have told the story that way. And like, maybe you're right, but also I'm still here. <laughs> so like yeah. it's working to a certain degree. And that's not to say that I, I get it right all the time. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I've been doing this now for over a decade, which blows my mind. I'm, I'm 33, so I'm not that old. But I've, I've been doing it for a while now, and I'm, I'm still learning. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to continually adjust and, and fine-tune some things, polish some things here, and maybe, you know, undress it, for lack of a better word, here. You know, dress it up here, undress it a little bit there. Yeah. So I'm still yeah. figuring it out. I have no idea. 
no one has any idea what they're doing. No, Listen, I, I say all the time, like, the fact that we don't get in our cars every day and drive into each other is like a miracle. <laughs> yeah. it's, proof, yeah, it's, crazy. Yeah. It's, proof, it's proof that we're all trying because yeah. it's a metaphor, but it's also literal, right? If we weren't yeah. trying, we'd all crash into each other. And so True. we're all trying. So True. Yeah. I haven't speaking, crashed speaking of crashing, um, actually, well, I didn't watch the heat races, but so, um, before we get into the heat races, can we talk about how the LA clash a few months ago, we didn't, we heard about it. Hmm. I first heard about it from like Adam Stern, probably. I was like, this sounds ridiculous, but I love it. That was my initial reaction. It, it was a, it, it was like, literally you, you mentioned it before Matt, but it sounded like a, a Twitter bot created yes. kind of sunday's <laughs> event like we weren't recording so like let me actually like you know yes. volley because it was gold one yeah so i even put out a tweet and I, I knew what i was doing when i tweeted it it was during the uh the the pre-race concert uh-huh. and it was like nascar cup series team owner pitbull <laughs> is performing the pre-race show for the bush clash at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And it sounded like a, a bunch of random words, you know, thrown together. Yeah. Sounds like and, something Steve Luvender would have yeah, put out like right, yeah. five years ago. <laughs> but it was real. All of it was, it was real. real. The Clash, not at Daytona now. Pitbull, yep. who is in fact really legitimately a Cup Series team owner, performing a concert at the Clash. Something else we've never done before. Yeah. So it was just this weird... It, it's so... And by I, the way, it was fun. It, it was, was fun. So fun. It was fun. I th- everyone had a good time. It seems like. Um, did any of us miss it, the clash being at Daytona? Because I didn't know that. No. And normally, I'm a sucker for like stuff like that, and I love Daytona. It's my favorite yeah. track in the world. But I don't. I don't miss it at Daytona. I mean, it. it the clash lost its kind of luster at Daytona. Like it, this. So, right. This event was so much better. I think people had forgotten because we're, we're a couple of years removed from it now. Um, mm-hmm. The last time that we did the clash on the the super speedway, yeah. it was the one that Eric Jones won in the twenty, and that yes. car looked like it had been ripped open by a, a can opener, yes. and he was one of like six cars out of the twenty two that started that actually finished. Yes. Um, I wrote a column. That afternoon, I, I called it the Bush Crash yeah. at, at Daytona. Yeah. And I think people had forgotten that we had reached a dead end for the clash, for what it, yeah. What, yeah. whether, what, like on the super speedway, they, they took it to the road course the next year and that was, was okay. Fine. Right? We had, a, we had a photo moment finish, you know. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the racing, but it, it still didn't feel like a happening, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. But this was a happening. And Again, we have so much ground to cover, but I, I, I thought that two years ago we had reached a dead end as an industry for what to do with the clash. Yeah. And now leaving the clash where we are right now today, NASCAR has so many different directions they they could go with this. It's not even just a clash. This could the be All-Star. a concept for the all-star race. That's exactly um, street course racing, you know would people respond to, to uh, having a race taken to them? They had at least 60,000 people there. And I know the, the heat races didn't bear that out, but for the feature, it might've been a messaging error from, Na- from a NASCAR standpoint. Yeah. I had talked to a couple of people that said, uh, I didn't realize there was racing before. I don't, I don't know what he- heats mean. And listen, if the number is true. and I didn't think about that. That, that. that 70% of the fans were new fans. The word heats 
mean nothing to them and i think i think it bore that out in the the attendance because everyone was there at three and it was like 30 percent was there at noon and and all the tv ads were saying it started at three it was it was a lot of i'm gonna spray started i did want to add to that uh jeff gluck tweeted this out earlier that the clash of the coliseum had more viewers than all but four cup series races in 2021 Mm -hmm. On, it was on Fox. It was the first clash since I think sixteen to be on Fox. Yep. That I think that says it right there. Like the yeah, clash this, got this more views than all but four races last year. Yeah, that, there's a lot of insane. a lot of lessons that, that yeah. come out of this, right? It's like um, racing in a downtown setting, um, yep. short track racing, right? Um, yeah. Like peak NASCAR. That, that, just, that just wasn't the case anymore at Daytona, and that's kind of the the, the number yep. one thing. Listen, I. Everyone knows that I, I can be a traditionalist sometimes, but I also think that sometimes I'm, 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 I'm more logical than that. Like if something works on a logical level, and we're going to talk about the package at some point, that was not yep. working for me on a logical level. The, the, the clash at Daytona International Speedway was no longer working for me on a logical level. This yeah. worked for me on a logical level. People yeah. showed up. It was fun. It was a happening. It was a, a great TV show. People watched it on TV. And now mm-hmm. you can take it 20 different directions for the future of the sport too. So logically that worked. Right. And I mean, let's talk about it. Uh, Zach skipped the heat races because he doesn't like heat races, but. <laughs> that's a that's joke. It's a joke. Well, it's a half joke. I mean, it's a, it's a quarter. It was the SRX heat races. He did not understand Because they weren't heat oh. races. They weren't. They weren't. So Thank I, you. I, oh, I Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> There's another Sorry. point I wanted to make before we get into the heat. Okay. But you're okay. right. So, but I want to say this one thing as kind of just a, a broad conversation mm-hmm. point. There was a lot of pushback from a certain subset of the audience. And I am not going to tell anyone how to feel because I certainly mm-hmm. have opinions and I want my opinions considered. And I, I, I will consider the opinions of people who did not like it because I think I have, I have something to learn from them too. But yeah. the one thing that I would tell everyone is that the reason the clash very broadly worked was mm-hmm. that for over a decade, fans have said the following themes. We want more short tracks. So with the clash, NASCAR was like, how short do you want to go? <laughs> yeah. Fans... Fans have said, well, the schedule is too stale and, and stagnant. So NASCAR says, they blew well, up how the about schedule. downtown Los Angeles Stadium? Yeah. Fans have said, well, the, the cars are cookie cutter and, you know, they, they're, they're all alike. Well, the next gen, listen, I know it's a spec car, but it has brand identity. They look different. And by the yeah. way, they look good. They like, do I, look good. I don't care about the number placement. It's not my, my hill to die on. Those cars look good. They do look good. Fans have said for far too long, well, that track is empty. No one's there. Well, you had 60,000 people there. Check, 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 check. So it's like all I would would push back on for the fans who didn't want it is that um, all these things that you've said you wanted NASCAR to do, they did. And I think the only reason... And I don't, I don't want to sound condescending, but I think the only reason many of them didn't like the clash is because of the the pit bull, yeah, uh, exactly, ice cube DJ ski element. But let's just let's just be honest here. My opinion, 
is that I'm, I'm a big cube guy. Like I enjoy ice cream. <laughs> A little less so on on Pitbull, but I appreciate uh-huh. the art. Matt Weaver was having fun at halftime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a big cube guy, but you know, you know, Pitbull didn't do it the same for me like Ice Cube did. Mm-hmm. I went to go grab lunch. Lunch was being served. I went to lunch and I came back and I, ca- I caught the rest of the concert. I really enjoyed Ice Cube, and so if you don't enjoy the concert elements, some, some acts are going to work for you. Some are not. That's life. Yeah. Um, but the racing element was yeah. everything you have like asked. important. For. Yeah. Right. So that's just the one thing I want to say very broadly. So now let's get sure. into the heats. For sure. I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, heat races, as I said, Zach doesn't like them. Um, it's a joke, but yeah, um, I, I, I had an important meeting, a business meeting on Sunday. Let's let's yes. just say that. So I'm going to drag him to a dirt race. And I made a joke saying this summer, I'm going to drag him to a dirt track. And I said, oh, you're going to hate the heat races. And he got really mad at me. So <laughs> I, I was like, he thinks I hate heat races because I, I know anyway. how they work. I get them. But the heat races. I, I sometimes hate heat races. The SRX heat races are absolutely pointless. They're not heat the, races. They are. When, right. The Xfinity series heat races. Yes. Stupidest thing ever. Yes. Consequences. When I go I to a World of Outlaws race, when I go to a USAC race, the heats are the most important races because they set up, you know, whether or not you're in the the the, the bees. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could set you up to be eliminated and not make the feature. You're sending cars home. Yeah. So in this case, the heats worked because they were for the first time ever in NASCAR history. There was a heat race format that actually had teeth. It had consequence. And by the way, the drivers drove like it, especially in that yes. second LCQ. They drove like it. And that was all set up by the heats because the yeah. heats matter too. Yeah, and the heat races, like Blaney and Stenhouse in that first one, I didn't think they were going to go that rough in the very first heat. They've got three wide in heat two. That blew my mind. I didn't think that would happen. And like Austin Sendrick was making big moves that entire He looked like truck series Austin Sendrick, the guy that was was. always like really driving through people. Austin Sendrick's a hell of a race car driver, and he's gotten Mm -hmm. so disciplined over the last two three years but if anyone yeah. remembers what he drove like in the truck series oh yeah i did not like it. better sometimes <laughs> right he yeah. looked like truck series austin Cindric, and sometimes it works i yeah. think you have to drive like that for that track yes. almost and for a short track it works that's what i love about it most that's like this is the kind of like entertainment stuff that i like with racing and I feel like, you know, if they want the whole entertainment aspect, this is the way to go. And it yeah. seems like that's because like the racing people still get an actual race too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and then the LCQs, those were intense to say the least. Yeah. Like, you know, I did like, watch those. Like, it was like the jewels, right? You have the, the tame yeah. versus stereotype, but stereotypes are often true. You had the, you have a tame jewel and you have the wild jewel. Really? We had a tame yeah. LCQ. We had a, a, a batshit crazy LCQ. That's what yeah. it was, right? Like, I did not expect Todd Gilliland to take out Eric Amarola. I thought that was really funny. Like, happy retirement. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Listen, I think there was a, there was a, a racing, um, thing you you could pin some of that on eric right i mean listen you're on a quarter mile i'm I'm, I'm not blaming a very short track yeah yeah i'm not blaming eric i'm not blaming todd Mm -hmm. but i think you could probably look at the moments before that and say i understand why it played out the way it did similar to the um to the the larson um 
Haley and yeah. Byron incident, right? Like, mm-hmm. I-, I wish, I think everyone wishes, Larson probably had a better understanding of what happened behind him. But mm-hmm. these are the sort of things that happen on There's a quarter a mile. Behind him, yeah. And it's why it's awesome, because sometimes you're just reacting to things. And it's not always sure. a logical kind of, you know, you don't have a lot of time to think about it or listen to your spot or explain why. Don't retaliate because he was hit from behind too. Yeah. You know, you're just a guy who's like, well, he hit me. Well, screw you. I'm going to yeah. hit him back. <laughs> and, you know, one of my favorite things to watch was Ty Dillon uh, in that LCQ he was oh in. Oh, my God. He was just ramming people and everything. Yeah. It was funny. It's like, he's back. Is this a revenge tour? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Listen, but, but again, I don't are, blame him. It's a short track. No, yeah. People are, are criticizing Ty, and it's like, well, that's why he's not a cup driver up until now. And <laughs> listen, Ty is a disciplined driver too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from. Beyond the fact that it was just, you know, it's a quarter mile, and you're gonna have to do some things you ordinarily wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Ty felt like he had to do that, and it didn't play out in his favor. And his aggression cost him with a penalty, what have you. But right. I love the fact that when you're on larger tracks, I think sometimes you have a little bit more time to think about what you're doing or how you're going to drive. Yeah. You have yeah. these long straightaways to think about how you're going to attack the corner. And right. the shorter the track, the less time you have to think about it. And the more, the more reactionary you are and you're not as, it's not as, it's not a proactive thing. It's very reactionary. And so that's yeah. why short tracks and I'm a short track guy. That's why short yeah. tracks are fun because you're just reacting. You're not huh. thinking through. I've never thought of it like that, actually. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Huh. You know, my main concern when they announced this race was it's going to be a wreck fest and they're just not going to get any laps. But then they said, we're not going to count caution laps. I'm like, well, that's good. Thank God. And then my other concern was with the next gen car. If it's a new car, are they even going to be trying? Well, they tried. We were so wrong. We were so wrong. We, were, we really we're thought they wrong. were going to take it easy. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that I was yeah. wrong about that. Like, all my concerns are gone. Like, as soon as the heat races started, they were gone. Yeah, so so two points of consideration there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of teams that suggested to NASCAR pretty strongly, mm-hmm. hey, we, we need to, and this is like late last year, we need to take the, the, the Gen 6 to the Coliseum. This can't be a next-gen race because it's going to be a crash fest. But I think NASCAR correctly calculated two things. One, this next-gen, because it turns so much easier with the the wider profile or the lower profile, wider tires and the big brakes, it turns easier than the the previous car did. I think the Mm -hmm. the previous car would have just drove straight into the wall. It would not have turned. These things just turn. It's so easy. It's very road coursey like that. So NASCAR had two points of, of consideration. One, this car is better suited for it than the, the previous car, but also mm-hmm. with the, the body panels and the composite body, you know, if you were to take the old car to this track, you're going to lean on somebody and then you're just going to cut their tire. And we saw it yeah, over and over, right. over the last six years, any, any sort of contact Bristol last year, Chase and Kevin. Yeah, right. I don't think there was contact. a single, there wasn't a single cut tire. Nope. Yeah, and, and, Joe, and Joey had said it. Um, yeah. huh. It was a question that I asked Joey and, and Joey said that um, to me, the biggest takeaway about this car is that we, we beat and banged on each other all day and there wasn't a single cut tire. Yeah. So that's yet oh, another that's so reason good. why it was better. That's a than really good car. sign. It is. I can't wait good. for Bristol and Martinsville and, yeah. um, and, and yeah. even the mile and a half. You can know you yes. can kind of 
yeah. beat and bang a little bit on the mile and a half. Right? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. I'm curious on your opinion. Was Brad Keselowski like not trying to even cars or is he just like really slow? Like, what do you think on that? I made a tweet saying that he's driving a car can barely go 30 miles per hour. Got a ton of likes on Twitter, had a bunch of clout. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so but I'm... like, do you think it was like calculated? Was he holding back trying to save the car? Or yeah, what do you so think? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, okay. I, in fact, it's a story that I wish I had immediately followed up on. So I talked to Brad before the race mm-hmm. and I talked to Matt McCall before the race. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on a story about this combination because I love this combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I even talked to Jeremy Thompson, who is the, the general manager at RFK. And he used to be Brad's general manager at, um, you know, BKR. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a lot of good insight about that team and that organization now. But I, I didn't get a chance to follow up after the fact because they weren't good. They weren't very competitive or they didn't look very competitive at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And there might be some reasons before that. But also, I would say, too, that because of this track, this track type and the fact that it's the first race of the new car, I take absolutely nothing away from this. This doesn't mean yeah, this true, sure, true. Sure as hell doesn't mean anything for Daytona. It doesn't mean oh. anything for uh las vegas or fontana or martinsville or richmond so i i don't think this means anything for brad and rfk i don't know if they were trying i I don't know to answer directly your question Mm -hmm. but i I will say that there's no way you can take anything out of this quarter mile and try to apply it for the rest of the season right for sure for sure yeah there's a lot of parody in qualifying too um, it was Cody like, Ware did bid really good this whole weekend. A Rick Ware car won the LCQ technically yeah, the last LCQ. <laughs> like, well, those priests, right? Priest yeah, priests. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is Ryan Priest, but still, like a Rick Ware car. Like, oh, bro. Yeah, was, that was a car that I believe. I don't want to get quoted on this, but I believe that was actually a car constructed by SHR to oh, wear so the that car makes, that, that Cody. Yeah, that Cody was driving was constructed by. Um, rwr but at the end of the day it's a spec car there's not a lot of differences yeah. right and i think that's going to be the, the key takeaway this season and beyond i think it's like indycar like a team like dale coin if you mm-hmm. hit the right setup with the right driver you could win a race any team could theoretically win the race if you just nail the setup and it's a well-constructed car and we've seen that in indycar over the year it was uh who won the race at uh houston several years ago angry cat what's that dude's name um which race are you talking about? Who? Which race are you talking about? Uh, it was a Houston. It was the Houston doubleheader for IndyCar. He won in a, um, in a in a coin car. I'm about to Google this now. Oh uh, um, shoot! I feel like I. Know I wasn't that. watching IndyCar full time at that point. What point? What year? Okay. Carlos Huertas. Oh okay. Carlos like, Huertas won an IndyCar no. race. For yeah. Dale Coin Racing at Houston. And so, listen, nothing against Carlos Huertas, right? Like, wherever okay. Carlos Huertas yeah, yeah. is now. But this was, like, the secondary coin car, and they won Houston. And so I think that we live hmm. in a world now in NASCAR to where if you nail the setup and you get the right strategy, you get track position, all these things that factor into cup races, if it's the right track. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Rick Ware Racing is going to immediately win a race, but right now with our limited understanding of how this car is going to play out, I think anyone could theoretically win a race under the right circumstance. Right. And I think that's good for them. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to feel that way. Yeah. 
Right. And NASCAR kind of wants that anyways, because it's like new winners is exciting. It's new. But like if it happens in a way that makes sense from the actual race, the racing fans will be happy as well. So should be good for everybody. I'll say this, too, about Rick Ware Racing. I know those guys have been the brunt of the joke for so long. Yeah. And I've always thought that was unfair because think of it purely from a, a Rick Ware and team standpoint. People don't realize how much that Rick has personally invested into this team and, um, you know, talking about mortgaging the house to be able to, to make sure that he has these cars and this charter. Um, why would they invest into the outgoing car to try to be more competitive when they're not going to break the top three for a car that's going out the window in a year or two? Their bet was always, we're just going to get by, we're going to pay the bills, we're going to field cars that run at a surplus. We're going to make us some money and we're going to get to the next genera and we're going to cut some, some business deals that get the right combination of competitive people or people who have a charter like a David Reagan and be able to try to be more competitive. And here they are. This is their moment to show yeah. that they had a plan. And their plan was to just get through the dying days of the Gen 6 car to get to here. And here we are. Yeah. That's a theme for a lot of the teams, too, I feel like. All right. So let's move on to the main event. First of all, I want to talk about Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe's issues. Mm-hmm. This kind of relates to our Gen 6, or Gen 7, actually. Yeah. Our Gen is, that level? is that what we're going to call it now? Because we need we need to establish right yeah, now. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Gen 7. 7. I don't like next gens. It's not the next anymore. That's yeah, gen it's not like we it's still like call a, the car of tomorrow the car of tomorrow. It's still the cot. It's a car of yesterday, man. Right. It's we still we don't call it the koi. The but koi. in two in two thousand eight, <laughs> though, bitches were saying the car of today, and I was like, mm. I never personally never did. I don't know. I kind of like next gen. That's kind of a thing. It doesn't matter. Anyways. Car, yeah. hey, hey, car of right now. Corn. The corn. Corn. <laughs> the car of right now. Corn. I love it. Um, so did both Reddick and Briscoe have broken transaxles? I'm not going to pretend I know what that is. Because, you know, yeah. Zach and I are gay. I we don't know. This. So I don't, I don't, but, I don't totally know either. So the, the listed reason for mm-hmm. Briscoe was, um, I might get them mixed up. One of them was transaxle. Uh, Tyler was transaxle, and yeah. Chase was driveline. Okay. And I don't, I don't. I'm this. This is like a Bosey question, right? Like I, I'm not, I'm not yeah, yeah. savvy enough to to know the difference between transaxle and driveline. Yeah. Ultimately, they're they're suspension related issues. At and... the same time, which was really weird. And uh, Cars Two spoiler, because you haven't seen any of the Cars movies. Oh, no, I really haven't. It's, okay, like, like what? The what the heck? What Zach was saying, Matt, you need <laughs> to watch the car. I, you cannot just work in the racing industry and not watch Cars. So the sad Look, thing is, I've not seen Cars, but I have seen Turbo, and having, girl, <laughs> having seen Turbo makes me not want to see Cars. You cannot but, put a oh, snail no. into the Indy Five Hundred. Number one, number two. That's girl. Do girl is Disney. Do Disney and DreamWorks are two different things. I know, I know, but oh I feel like God. they are thematically like related. No. Watch no. Turbo. <laughs> Zach I hates Turbo with a passion. That, we watched that movie together. I don't hate the movie. I well, actually, you have a you have some sort of hatred for Turbo. It's more just the Turbo fact the snail let, called you out on Twitter the other day. By the way, the story of late, letting a but... snail into the Indy Five Hundred is the funniest thing to me 
It is. But anyway. But anyway. Um, watch Cars, yeah, number one. Zach but said, number two. Zach was saying the Briscoe Reddick thing, because her cars broke down at the same time with some of the Cars 2 plot. If you watch it, you'll understand. Yes. Um, and it made sense because it's a big event. Yeah. So it, it was like it was, sabotage. Someone was sabotaging the race. That's what yeah. it kind of seemed like. And I feel so bad for Reddick and Briscoe. I mean, Reddick yeah. probably could have won this race, yep. first of all. Oh, and yeah. Briscoe, totally. Briscoe looked really good in the 14 car. He was passing them like crazy yeah. his way through the field. And it sucked. At the same time, in the Fox booth, is like, what's going on? What, like, how'd this happen all at the same time? And I saw some people, this is not a good look for the Gen 7. And I'm, I'm like, is Girl, it was the first race. Like, but I was like also one of those race, people. It's the first race, and there's no track that's going to be as grueling on this car. I really feel yeah. this way than yeah. this track because if it's, it's a quarter mile you're yeah. constantly on the throttle off the throttle on the brake off the brakes physical Some contact guys are brutal to the car shifting, right and yeah. and so i just think that this is a great race to kind of put the car through its I, most extreme yeah, kind of true. processes and i think yeah. you can actually this is valuable data right i think you yeah. can take this extreme end data and then figure out how to apply it the rest of the year and then it's going to be fine because I, I don't think I don't think we have a reliability issue with this new car. I really don't. Yeah. Um, was there any concern when uh, Justin Haley hit the wall? Because they weren't going that fast, and like the whole left front of his car was like yeah. torn to pieces. I think I it's like, that's a little concerning. He hit he hit where two walls were. Oh, so I kind of like scooped it. Yeah, and so I, okay. I think the way he hit the wall. Was uh-huh. so much a part of that because it was where the two jersey barriers yeah. were interlocked. And okay. I think what happened was is when he hit the the interconnected barriers. Um, it's, it's hard to articulate with, on, yeah. on a podcast. I'm using my yeah. hands, but I think I, it, drugged, yeah. it drugged the part of his car and he hit on like head on too, mm-hmm. and it kind of they kind of peeled the car off a little bit. And I think that was this kind of like the, it was this extreme. Happened with a safer barrier, basically. right? Yeah, this wouldn't okay, happen okay. with a real with a real. Like this wouldn't happen on the outside turn, and it probably wouldn't happen at a quote unquote real racetrack. And it was unfortunate, but I thought the I thought the bodies of the cars were very durable. The way that yeah, we saw the guys were. beating on each other, wow, and, um, impressive. Yeah, and I, I think too for the the sixteen car that the, that was more than cosmetic damage. But I think everyone else their damage was purely cosmetic. I think the the internals of the car we're all fine and uh, i don't think anyone left and this was important i don't think anyone really left outside of the um outside of the colleague guys having to go back and say oh god we've got to completely fix this car before daytona or or whatever they're going to do with it next and that was important because a lot of people thought well this brand new car why are we taking it to a place we're going to destroy them well we're going 60 miles per hour outside of the the colleague car no one really you know had a write-off yeah that makes me feel better about the the body for sure mm-hmm. um next i want to talk about uh ryan blaney and eric jones this was really interesting to i me. missed it too just like fox i didn't see it <laughs> so blaney got really mad at eric jones for seventh apparently they were bumping banging you know short track stuff cool fox completely missed ryan blaney throwing his hans device at eric jones how do you miss that <laughs> we are at a very short track I don't understand how they miss it because you you have to be expecting someone's going to throw something at a yeah. short track, and they just missed it. I yep. And by the way, Fox Sports they missed every single spin except for maybe like two. 
Like the whole track fits in one frame. And like, bro, I, don't know. I haven't and, watched the broadcast yet, so I, I don't want to, yeah, to opine yeah. too much because I was watching in yeah. person. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I, I do think that when it comes to a short track race, like a quarter mile race, mm-hmm. I think that if we're going to do this kind of racing again in the future somewhere, whether it's the LA Coliseum or somewhere else, I think Fox could probably do well. This is going to sound... Um, it's going to sound self, self. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but probably watch a Racing America or a Flow, yeah, or um, yeah, or a Cars Tour broadcast. I'm not saying just the company I work for, but people who mm-hmm. do true bullring short track broadcasts yeah. and watch the way they shoot the races with less cameras. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think sometimes, just in general, even on the big tracks, Fox and NBC, they just need to zoom out. out. They, yeah, they, they rely way too much on in cars. This yes. is broadly. I did not watch the Coliseum broadcast, so I don't know. They rely way too heavily on in cars, uh, the rear view camera yep. shot. Um, they, oh they, God, shoot, yeah. they, they shoot way too close. You know, shoot out. And the reason they started yes. doing that is this is this is true. They have they had an edict to not shoot wide because they're or way too many empty seats and they wanted to avoid oh be serious and it got them i think yeah i, I think that got them in the habit of missing things because they're shooting in to try to avoid obvious empty seats that makes a lot of sense Are you it, serious? I, I mean, over the last like six seven years it's created bad habits and yeah i'm not a producer mm-hmm. so i, I don't want to sound like i'm mm-hmm. not in my own lane but i've spent so much time between the speed 51 people the cars tour people i've worked with flow I, mm-hmm. I interact all the time and I have these conversations with people who are on the production side of short track races mm-hmm. and I listen to their critiques of NASCAR broadcast. And mm-hmm. the number one thing is, is zoom out, show us yes. more and stop yes. with the in car. In cars are cool. I think there's a place for in cars. And I love yes. um yes, I love definitely. on the road courses, the, the yes. Boot, yeah. I think yes. that's awesome too. And if we're gonna do more short track races, there's probably some value in looking at the footwork too. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. But remember, I don't think like, it should ever be full screen. That's my yeah. thing about it. Yeah, always picture in picture. More picture in picture. Give us Team, perspective. Yes. Yeah. NBC's done really good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just say very broadly, um, the reason I love going to races in person, beyond the fact that it's racing and it's awesome, right, is that <laughs> I have a wider view and that I have a, a better perspective and. Mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of races now on TV the last couple of years because of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I remember my biggest takeaway was just, I lose so much context, not because of TV's natural limitations, but the way sometimes the races are shot. Yes. Yeah. So just give us back out just a little bit. Give, give me yeah. more. Let me see more. There were, yeah, I kind of put a bow on this topic. Fox, they, at one point they had a, the camera, the back end of the car camera, and then they had an onboard camera. There were two screens, onboard and the rear camera. You can't see anything. So it's just like the sponsors yeah. like that. It's like, and then we move the card number, but like you can't even see the side of the car. Like what's, right. where's the activation we're supposed to be getting from this? Mm-hmm. Car number, again, I don't really care. I didn't even notice it, quite honestly. I thought I'd be a bigger deal. It's not. But I, it, it was it was the new normal to me after the heat races. The heat races, I yeah. kept looking at it because it's kind of like this is a little different. weird. 
Yeah, but, but by the time we get to the features, it just became... These I think the when I see the cars in person for the first time, it's going to be really weird to me, too. Um, first, yeah. But, yeah, I'm normal to it. Again, I, I noticed as soon as I saw practice on Friday or Saturday, mm -hmm. I could tell those cameras were too low. I could tell... I kind of forgot that Fox and NBC also, they like to do that. They keep it way too tight, but... yeah. Uh, yeah. And another thing is that I was going to give them praise today, Fox, because they had they didn't show any commercials during the heat races or the LCQs. But then they went to commercial for about, I don't know, 15, 20 laps of the main because it's a really short track. That was really yeah. irritating. Yeah. At least do side by side. But like okay. tell Ice Cube to play another song, dude. Like, <laughs> And uh, I will <laughs> say the best camera work they had was during the Ice Cube and Pitbull concerts. <laughs> like, <laughs> it still wasn't great but well, to be fair there's there's not a in an in-person camera inside pitbull's brain for us to go to although i think a lot of us would like to study the inside of pitbull and oh, yeah the brain we don't have a camera there so you know all right let's talk about more of the race did anyone else think that kyle bush and joey logano were going to beat the crap out of each other because I totally thought that, thought was, that was gonna happen. Oh, and listen, listen, if, if Kyle could have got there, I mean mm -hmm. Kyle Kyle said this post-race too. So Kyle said, because because I think Gluck, yeah, Gluck had asked him, so what would you have done if you had gotten there? And mm -hmm. Kyle says, What do you think I would have well, done? Well, first things first, you try to pass him clean, is what Kyle says. <laughs> Joey says, or Kyle says. Joey's not going to let me, of all people, me, pass him clean. Right. And so then I guess it's a bump or whatever. And that's, that's pretty much a quote. So uh, if Kyle would have got there, obviously there's no love lost between those two. They don't particularly yeah. see eye to eye. And yeah. there's a bit of a rivalry there. And Kyle would have absolutely booted him out of the way. And yeah. he just couldn't get there. And that, that the race definitely finished a bit anticlimactic, of course. Did. But I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I kind of enjoyed almost that it did because it really let people still appreciate the race for what it was because it was a good race. Watching Kyle Busch try to chase down Joey Logano was entertaining to me because we saw him struggle with the car. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. It didn't take away from the event. It didn't take away from the racing so I'm like almost kind of glad in a way that it happened because it proved that like, yes, this was a good event. Like we didn't need yeah. just a, a good finish. So two things. Um, one, I was glad to see that bear out in the Gluck poll, the very unscientific, but definitely valuable from a data standpoint. Yes. Jeff Gluck poll. I think it was like 87, 87%. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. I thought that from a, a racing standpoint, NASCAR was in a no-win scenario here to a certain, you know, critical audience because it's like we the finish that we had was anticlimactic, and some fans are going to say, "See, I told you, that's that's boring." Right. But if Kyle had completely just dumped Joey and won the race that way, first of all, it's Kyle Busch; so they're going to hate it anyway because he's yeah. Kyle. And two, yeah. they're going to be like, "See, I told you, it was a shit show that sucked." So it's like, which one do you want? Do you want it yeah. to be just a good hard race? That wasn't a complete shit show or not mm -hmm. because i thought listen we, we didn't get that buzzy kind of short track moment but you're absolutely right dude like it was a it was a really yeah. good short really track good. race and it, it, it didn't devolve into nonsense and tomfoolery it wasn't like the the knoxville truck race right right and it certainly right. wasn't what the daytona clash 
had turned into. It's it a hard a, balance to strike yeah, for NASCAR. It was just a good stock car race, which we Absolutely. haven't had a lot of, really. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And by the way, we now live in a world where you can actually get to the bumper. <laughs> and, oh, listen, I'm being facetious, but actually, seriously, though, the cool thing about this race mm-hmm. is that there's going to be races, even with this car, that arrow is going to absolutely play a factor. I think Martinsville can be a track where arrow comes into play. People don't realize that, but it, the straights are so long yeah. that there is an aerodynamic 2019, there was dirty yes. air when they well, had the big race. Yeah. So bad, that race, yeah. This race was 100% about mechanical grip. Really, I believe that it was 100% mechanical grip and 0% in the air. Well, we'll call it 99 to 1 because you are a moving vehicle and anytime you're yes. moving, there is arrow. But yeah. I think the track was so short that was purely about mechanical grip. And that's why I think you saw some of the extreme parity that we had that even yeah, outside yeah, of BJ McLeod and that car probably just wasn't ready yet. He was the only guy that was super slow. And that's yeah. not on BJ. BJ can drive a car. I just don't think that car was ready. And I think he was trying to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And everyone was competitive. Everyone was within, you know, with, within because it's a short track, but also running the same lap times. And right. um, that was because there was no arrow involved. It was purely mechanical grip. So if we had to make a prediction, do we think this event will come back next year? Whether not, it's at not the, to LA. I don't think it'll not come to LA. Back. Yeah. I mean, it could. I mean, NASCAR, which is this is standard, by the way. Anytime they have a deal, it's one year with a, a two-year option. That's not just LA, that's everywhere. Okay. Hmm. Kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think two things are going to happen because of this race. One, I think they're going to eventually, once they clear the political hurdles they're going to turn Fontana into a short track. So if the LA market loves short track racing, yeah. Auto Club Speedway is going to become their new destination for short track racing. And I think from the clash standpoint, they keep kind of playing coy about it. They've got yeah. some markets they want to take that place to. They, 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 they've got some international yeah. markets I think they want to take that race too. And so I would not be surprised to see this. This is total speculation, mm-hmm. but there's enough enough data points here to kind of read the tea leaves i think they want to take this around to a couple of places and they should with the clash and the all-star race i think they need to they need to start doing batshit crazy (laughs) race ideas in terms of location this is the best way to start off the season just like have a huge event just to hype it up and then just have a short classic short track race and i forget who adam stern was quoting but Someone in NASCAR said they were looking at Seattle and Denver. Like, if this is a success, we could go to Seattle or Denver, for example. At Denver would be a really was good ben. one. I was there for that one. That was, that was Ben Kennedy. Was Ben Kennedy? Okay. Um, yeah. I would say Denver would be really cool um, because they had furniture racing there and the whole city, it sounded like, really embraced that team. Seattle would be awesome as well. Like, I... There's just so much potential and that they could really go anywhere. I don't know if you could ha- make this a regular race on the schedule. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, it'd be hard. Um, but for the clash, make this a touring event to start off the season. That'd be really cool. And it's yeah, better. Be cool. The reason it can't be a, a points race, which you could do literally, you could do whatever you want to do as long as you have an agreement. Right. But yeah. the, I don't, I don't think people, a lot of people realize this with the charter agreement, part of the charter agreement guarantees the 36 charter holders to be in the race, quote unquote. So yeah. you can't do eliminations and heats for a points paying race because the charter system mandates 
participation amongst all 36. You can't eliminate a charter car from a points paying race without NASCAR and the teams agreeing to it. So, and and they were asked about it too. NASCAR was uh, OD and and Ben. And like, Mm. theoretically, like we we could theoretically, but there's just a lot of red tape to have to cross and figure out. Yeah. I I think it's I think it's better to leave it as an exhibition anyways and it's yeah. kind of like the reason I didn't like Bristol Dirt so much is it felt like a huge experiment that didn't go the best and it was also a points race so it's supposed to be taken seriously like I I I would have rather Bristol Dirt been like an exhibition race like maybe the all-star race instead of it being like a normal points race because it was just so different and I still kind of feel that way. Um, yeah, but then the question then becomes like, what what does different really mean, though, right? Because if we go to a street course, well, that's different too. And can can that be can that not be a points race? I think the only thing that was truly different about a quarter mile is you can't stick thirty six cars on a, yeah. on a quarter mile, even in late model racing, like a place like the Red Bud four hundred, which is a quarter mile. Um, that race has historically only started twenty four cars, and there mm-hmm. used to be in a different era. There used to be last chance races for even the Red Bud 400. And um, so I, I think that if you can fit all 36, like on a dirt track or on a street course or whatever, or even if they go to a large enough stadium, theoretically, that could have all 36 cars, then it could be a points race. I was thinking in Japan, you know, there's the uh, the uh, international arena in Yokohama, which is really large. And I know that's a market they've done. They have before. been staying international. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and like Toyota would love that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, love so there it. are some arenas that you could even do, you know, larger than a quarter mile track in. Uh, I don't know what some of the arenas in in Australia could hold, but if you could build a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what could be larger than the quarter mile track we have, but whatever. You could fit if you could fix fit 36 cars on it, then you could make it a points race. But that's the number one factor for whether or not. It's an exhibition or a points race yeah. as the charter system mandates all 36 must start. Hmm. So did even by the way, even by the by the way for the clash, I mean, yeah, I don't know if teams could have vetoed it. Everyone kind of worked together on this. There was a lot of um interaction between the teams and the sanctioning body. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't even know from like a exhibition standpoint how much veto power the teams okay. even have. Yeah, that was my question. Is like any teams were like strongly against it or anything? Um, I don't know that. I think NASCAR pretty much convinced all the teams that this was a very important <laughs> concept and that they they really believed in this. And to NASCAR's credit, I think it was everything they wanted it to be and probably more. <laughs> Some teams were just a little reluctant just from the standpoint that there is a car shortage big time parts and supply chain issue teams don't have a lot of inventory and so it was just it was challenging for the teams to construct this car haul it all the way to california take the time to have people not at the shop some core people there's still people at the shop but some core people all the way out in california for almost a week then to come back and have just a week to prepare for Daytona, there was some hesitation. But I think NASCAR convinced the teams. I, I know NASCAR convinced the teams. We really believe in this, and we need you guys to to be on board with this. And there was buy-in from the teams. And I talked to all the the crew chiefs and some 
team presidents and once they were there they were they, they they were into it and i don't think it was lip service either i think that they came away from this experience believing that nascar hit a home run and even larson you know larson said a quote that stuck out to me he's like to nascar's credit sometimes nascar gives us an idea or they go a direction and we think we're smarter than nascar and in this case nascar had it figured out they, they were yeah. right about this that was kyle larson wow wow um and the drivers also seemed like they enjoyed themselves i have to say that i noticed like kyle bush actually looked happy in a nascar like race like until he lost on sunday and then he was back to early kyle but like he was having a good weekend he was he was having fun all the drivers talked about how fun it was to drive that track Um, so i wrote about this this is my first story i wrote about on sunday night is that listen it's been a challenging couple of years with this new car and whether it's the various rules packages that we tried with the previous car to be a bridge to, to this car, um, the testing process over the last couple of months at Charlotte. And listen, the lowest point that the industry was at that I've ever seen, and this is being totally honest here, was mm-hmm. the first test at Charlotte. And I had phone calls from several crew member friends of mine who, who, without knowing what the other one said to me too, was like, "Dude, this is bad. Like, yeah. th- th- we are so, yeah, we so are, not- we are so off of where we need to be." And NASCAR is trying to fit this square peg into the round hole, and we can't make it fit. And by the way, also they're talking about trying to make us change the rules, which are going to make us get parts that we don't even have when we can't even get the parts for the things that we have now. And it was just, it was a very low point in the in the everyone's careers yeah and this was right before the um the nashville awards banquet and nascar recognizing that they had kind of a problem on their hands they had a meeting with all the stakeholders team presidents who were there drivers and they hashed it out and Mm -hmm. i even i even asked um logano about this and he's like yeah we were were having fun this weekend i'm I'm telling you, you you brought up the the meeting in Nashville, that wasn't fun for anyone. Right. Those were some really honest, really tough conversations that NASCAR, the team owners, uh, or the, the the team principals, I say principals, the presidents, not F1. Um, total Wolf. Yeah, Total Wolf. <laughs> uh, they, were, they, were all, they were all there, and they were having tough conversations, and it was hard. Yeah. It resulted in them coming back to Charlotte and coming up with the rules package that we have now, which was the short track and road course rules package being applied everywhere and you know what even o'donnell had said after the race on on sunday he's like we know and it was was so refreshing to hear o'donnell you know after years of you know we like what we're saying right um i'm saying we recognize there we had a rules package that a lot of people did not like and our drivers wait he said that like he said that yes it's in my story oh yeah no go go read the uh the story about the joy um i'm gonna pass out i'm gonna pass out so because i know this is important i actually want to make sure i get this one right but he he said that he recognizes that that was a challenge that the sanctioning body had to overcome between the drivers and themselves but he also said that what was so refreshing about this weekend is that everyone kind of remembered that this is supposed to be fun this is the 
right. the, the fun business. And so I think all told, it was so important for the, the industry to have fun because there, were, there hadn't been a lot of fun over the, the last several years. So here we go. This is the, the exact quote from O'Donnell. Because I, I thought this was so cathartic for even me to hear because it felt like the first moment of like honesty in a long time yeah so o'donnell says um it was a question from glock who says that it was refreshing to see the drivers having fun how can we unlock this this attitude because if the drivers are having fun then the fans tend to have more fun too and so o'donnell yeah. said and this is a quote i think part of it started actually during the off season you look at the rules package we had that i know to some was unpopular but to a lot of our fans it was popular that was a difference kind of between nascar and the drivers it was very tough at times i think the process we went through with the drivers and the industry on this new rules package working together landing where we did there became a real trust factor built in even prior to getting here to the coliseum hopefully you guys had a good time they were all in they understand the importance of the next-gen car and really feel like it feel like they're a part of it for the first time which i think was unique Wow. I'm not going to promise as we get through some races, but really do feel like we've got a much better relationship with them in terms of listening, but also having an understanding when we make certain decisions, there is some reason behind it because we went left and you wanted to go right. Doesn't mean we didn't listen. There was some reason that we did it. And I just thought from, from wow. Steve, that was, it was a very powerful moment because listen, we know there had been a lot of infighting. You know, I made my opinions clear over the years. The drivers made their opinions clear and NASCAR made their opinions clear. But sometimes I didn't feel like the conversations that people were having was straight up. You know, I, I think a lot of people, me especially, I was dug in how I felt. The drivers were dug in how they felt. NASCAR was dug in. And I think going to Nashville and having that conversation, people finally opened up and truly tried to work through it together and as a result everyone rolled into the coliseum and it felt fresh that everyone's kind of together everyone bought into this la coliseum concept mm -hmm. they had reached some conclusion on the rules package they've reached conclusions on the marketing standpoint some other kind of technical stuff that the teams in nascar are working through right now and we were just able to have fun and o'donnell even said earlier in that press conference he's like I think this was refreshing because we, we work in a fun business and this is supposed yeah. to be fun. Yeah, and yeah. so even for me personally, it was such a cathartic race because it was important for, for me as a storyteller, but also a race fan and for the drivers and for NASCAR that we all go somewhere and the edge is off. We're starting yeah. over. It's a new era. And True. there were some things that happened over the last couple of years that was frustrating to everyone yeah and that's behind us now because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because we there's a brand new car a brand new rules package um brand new scheduling concepts and all those things that happened the last couple of years it's over it's done and so i thought that to come to the coliseum everyone had a blast the crew chiefs were having a good time the drivers were clearly having a good time yeah. and i think that if the competitors are having a good time the fans, fans are going to yeah. enjoy it more and i think yeah, that was yeah. one of the biggest kind of points of contention that the drivers weren't having fun and they told us so often that they weren't having as much fun and as a result 
certain people in the industry and fans kind of rejected it too. Well, guess what? We went to the Coliseum, that track, that rules package, that atmosphere. We all had fun. I had yes, fun. Absolutely. And I it think if the next gen vibes. era can be, yeah, if the next gen era can be defined by fun, this is going to be a very productive next decade. See, and like, yeah. like O'Donnell said, there's going to be challenges, but the first step immediately being fun at the Coliseum and going mm-hmm. to Daytona. And I think Daytona is going to be fun too, because it's always fun. And so I think starting off on the right foot is so important. Yeah. I think it's crazy that the direction of NASCAR probably completely changed course just over the off season. Yeah. Two, two, those two so points, the, the first Charlotte test mm-hmm. and then the Nashville meeting. And then I remember that Charlotte test. It was not, no. drivers were not. They had to pivot. It sounds like pivot hard. Like they, the drivers really put their foot down. It that second like. test at Charlotte wasn't on the schedule. They had to make a second Charlotte test to mm-hmm. try out the things that they talked about in Nashville. Wow. I think, and I think NASCAR history is going to remember mm-hmm. that meeting in Nashville. I don't think a lot of people realize that meeting happened. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. either. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm also like, like busy. Obviously something like- happened. I figured something had to have happened because I didn't think they would ever change course and like do what we've been saying all along is this sort of arrow package. But it, I will say there was, there was give and take too, though. I mean, it's not as, I don't want it to sound oh, like sure. it's as simple as, well, we were right all along. There are some, some technical elements, especially like with the, the car overheating and having to drill, you know, the holes in the, the windshield. Yeah. Um, I think NASCAR still believed in what they were trying to do, but the moment that the car came in too hot and they had to drill the holes in that -hmm. created extra drag and the moment that drilling the holes in the windshield to cool the cars down created that extra drag i think that was the thing that absolutely made that direction untenable it wasn't purely just the way the car was but that was kind of the first thing that happened that created the the ripple effects is remember that the drivers were cooking inside of the car. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. had to drill holes in the windshield to cool it down, which having air go inside the cockpit created a shit ton of drag. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I didn't know all this. That is so interesting. Like people need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like, man, NASCAR might have literally gotten saved by this. Like, quite honestly, because. Remember last time we had you on, I was just like, if it's this bad, I might not watch Holes either. Yeah. Like I like, was getting to that point. And I've going, and I've actually, I'm actually excited for the season now. I mean, too, the, and that's so important. We all are excited. Yeah. And how many yes. times over the last several years did we talk about how like into you know the entire NASCAR product we were? And I think going back to what I said a second ago, having that sort of buy-in from you guys, from me, mm-hmm. from the drivers, from the crew chiefs. That's how this is going to work. Everyone's got to right. come together and buy into that that thing, whatever it whatever it is. Right. I don't know if you like know about this, but we made predictions of the season a few weeks ago, and my bold prediction of the season is that the Coca Cola Six Hundred will be a positively received race because it hasn't happened in so long, and I feel like it's a After good last year too. Yeah. it's a good kind of marker for like the quality of racing because obviously you get a lot of it um it's a pretty standard mile and a half track there's there's not too much kind of flair to it other than cars going in circles for four hours it's like i feel like it might be positively received this year yeah you know chase elliott had said it he said that um the reason they they went back to charlotte is that 
inherently, especially with the current pavement, Charlotte is not the best of tracks for the right. current NASCAR product. But on the flip side of that, if we can find something that Charlotte that is at least tolerable, that's going to pay dividends at some of the other mile and a half that we could go to, or even other yeah. tracks too, like a gateway or whatever, yeah. tracks where Arrow does play a factor, even on New Hampshire. So if we can find something that works at Charlotte, mm. we can make it work everywhere else too. And so I don't, I don't know. The 600 is so hard now because yeah, I don't definitely. know that a 600 mile race is anything that we would intentionally schedule today on purpose, but we're right. stuck with it. From a, a legacy. <laughs> Stop. Stop I think so it. much of what. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge with the 600 is that if we could have a 300 mile Coke 600, maybe it's a different story. But it's, we can have the greatest rules pack. We can have the Xfinity package. I don't want to watch 600 miles of the Xfinity series. Right. right, right. But still, I, I just feel like the whole renaissance of NASCAR possibly being this year, the 600 is the one race where I'm like, people might actually kind of enjoy this. That's the it's barometer. Just, like, yeah, it, it could be a, a true test, but yeah. So just one more question on the aero package. Um, what do you think the difference is that we're going to see? We've kind of already touched on this. Uh, from 2019, 2020, 2021, what will be different on track? Like, what should fans be expecting, do you think, in 2022 with this new, with the new changes? You know, I think it's so hard because this car is so yeah so radically different, right? Like, I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, the four-inch spoiler and the, the horsepower, well, this is like Xfinity. And it's not because this car has so much more grip because of the, the tires. Um, I don't think this is totally the, the rules package that the the 750 truthers <laughs> wanted to see. Um, yeah, yeah. But I also think it's a, it's a work in progress. I, I think it's going to be somewhere between NA18D and the Xfinity series. But but what's obvious now is that it's directionally a new path. And I I, I liken it to the start of the the, the, the car of tomorrow era. We're, we're still calling it the cot, right? It's not the corn. Um it's the yeah, cot. the, <laughs> the car right now, the car of yesterday, the koi. Um, but that car started with like the big the big wing, right? And it had the, yeah, the splitter with the yeah, it had the splitter with the braces. I, I she think... was ugly, man. I <laughs> but Twitter, but Twitter's like, oh, y'all hated the COT, man. This was the best looking car ever. You know, by, by the end of the the cut era, like that, that was a pretty good racing car. Exactly. Yeah. 2011 was that. really good. Like the end of the cut era was some really good racing yep. that no one seems to appreciate. Mm -hmm. But it took NASCAR some time to get it there right so i, mm -hmm. I think sim similarly the this this gen 7 the the current gen car is going to evolve and especially now that they had to drill the holes in it to to, to get the cooling right and they had to, to adjust the the aero package accordingly that the car is already evolving in ways that they didn't intend it to mm -hmm. and so I, I think this car is going to continue to evolve and because of what i said earlier about what O'Donnell said about the collaboration now and getting buy-in from the drivers, they're now, they're now evolving it together. And I, I think that, you know, hopefully that it, it goes a direction that the whole industry fans and drivers and the executives can all buy into together. But I think initially to answer the question, initially, I think mm -hmm. it's, it's going to race. It's going to have a lot of drag. 
this car still has a ton of drag built in because when they when they built the car they thought this was going to be a drafting package race car and so it's got a lot of drag (laughs) that ass though right so that the car it's kind of like the uh the the inaugural dw of the day yeah (laughs) it was a a very the dw12 was very draggy and i think this cup car as it is now is going to be very draggy and how it evolves in, into the future, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the Xfinity car. So the, the Xfinity series still gets to be by itself the apple of our eyes as a pure stock car. But it's going to evolve. And I, I think right. directionally, that's, that's the word of the season. Directionally, this is something the drivers have now bought into, that NASCAR is content with, and that we can over time as an industry evolve it. But I think it's all speculation, right? We, we saw right. it test at charlotte and it's going to continue to evolve and um i'm curious like I'm, I'm curious once we get to uh you know fontana which is still super um it's got a ton of abrasiveness to it these tires i will say these tires i think give especially now that they've taken some of this downforce off mm-hmm. i do think this gives goodyear a little bit more of an open playbook that's going to be the key to this i think now okay. that we've taken the downforce off they can actually build a little less durable um less forgiving tire That'd be I think, nice. yeah so i think you could see the racing product improve i don't want to i think it's very important and i'm saying this to everyone mm-hmm. that's not knee jerk when we go to vegas or when we go to fontana or when we go to kansas atlanta is a wild card i, I, don't, I don't even know what atlanta is yeah know. no one does yeah. <laughs> i don't think but let's not judge it on on the intermediates or anywhere really early because i think that once goodyear gets a better read on this car i think when we get to the second half of the season come playoff time i think Mm -hmm. we could have a really compelling product compared to the start point of this year and i think it all comes down to goodyear i probably need to do a story on that talk to goodyear about are they anticipating being able to make changes as i think they are Mm -hmm. and because what this car was supposed to be and what goodyear planned for early is going to change after we have more race data yeah. Hmm. I'm, I feel very more, much more optimistic about this car than I was, say, a few months ago. I feel more optimistic about it than I did for Gen 6, because I remember 2013 was not great. Yeah. Um, it was, was not a good season. And I remember being, I was still getting onto Twitter and stuff. And I remember there was a lot of pessimistic views on the car, because, you know, the car, the car of yesterday, we'll call it that, um, it was on its last years and was finally getting good and we're getting a new car it was just kind of i don't know and now this is kind of the reverse gen 6 was on the way out and it was not good so it'd be really interesting to see how it uh turns out for sure. i'll say this too the one thing that i'll be curious is that unlike indycar because indycar teams they have a more open playbook from a mechanical standpoint than nascar does now i mean they can create their own damper program and the the cup series is completely spec now so they're still very smart people who are employed by the top teams and i i can't there, there's going to be at least one controversy i don't know if it's going to be like the the l3 that's been added that's going to call someone to, to lose playoff spots but these yeah. smart people are going to find something and i i just as a as a technical nerd i can't wait to see what that first thing that a team finds or tries to do that nascar has to push back on and i don't mean that as a criticism people are going to say oh well, they were cheating no 
embracing they're, his innovation and trying playing to find the game. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so I think a team is going to find something within this spec car that they can bend to their their will a little bit. The NASCAR is going to push yeah. back on and it's going to be kind of a fight. And I can't fun. I can't wait to see what it is because to me that's racing too. Racing yeah. is not green flag to checkered flag. It's what happens in between the checkered flag and the green flag. That's a race too. And so I, I can't wait to see True. that yeah. first you know innovation is for the the gen 7 i kept seeing over the weekend i don't know if i missed something but some of the cars especially the hinder cars were missing like a cover on like the hood vents yeah and i jokingly tweeted like this is the this is the next thing they accidentally (laughs) left it off this is the next thing to get an arrow advantage on a quarter mile track they're doing it (laughs) i don't think it's quite that it's not but i'd be curious what that thing is because you know, I had a, a conversation with Ryan Priest, and actually, it was with Ryan Priest and Chris Gapehart, who worked together in the Snowball Derby this year, and uh, they're, they're, they're good friends. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Gapehart was the crew chief for Ryan Priest at the Snowball Derby, and also worked on Bubba Pollard's car, because um, Gapehart is now working kind of in his free time with Port City Race Cars, the super late model manufacturer, and um, Gapehart and Priest are of the mindset is like a super late model is the same, but there's, you know, five or six different chassis manufacturers. And like there, there is, they're supposed to be the same, but they're really not. And both Priest and Gapehart said it comes down to people and what you do with this pretty, um, pretty yeah. consistent platform. He says, it's going to be the same here. He's like, if you have really smart people, even though you have a platform that's supposed to be identical, the, the, the variable are the people and um it's going to be the same as a next gen car as the super late model to where it's it's a spec platform but people are not spec that that i think that's exciting too i mean indycar indycar is a spec series but the parody is like still it's still interesting right teams have highs have lows it's still it doesn't completely equal everything out which Mm. and you never can do that you never will be able to do that no um so this is this is exciting it's exciting times to be an nascar fan I'm not gonna lie um forgot what we're gonna end on before we wrap yes. up matt you wanted to talk about things you are working on pretty soon yeah i'm just excited really this is just me it'll sound like vanity it's like listen to what i'm about to cover but also <laughs> i just wanted to kind of um take these two lesser known things in racing and talk about them i'm i'm super excited from a from a pavement short track and a dirt track standpoint. And I know that we could talk about NASCAR and IndyCar and people are familiar with, with those products, but I just wanted to give a shout out to the world about law season and the all-star circuit of champions. Uh, the sprint car season is going to kick off, you know, weather dependent uh, this week in, in Florida at Volusia. And I think that the sprint car the 410 sprint car dynamic is so interesting this year. There's a, there's a rookie, for example, that, you know, maybe someone's heard of named Casey Kane running the oh, full schedule yeah, this year. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. About that. But you've got Brad Sweet and Donnie Schatz who are still the gold standards of 410 racing. But you've got Tyler Courtney, who's kind of emerging as the next guy. Um, you've, you've got the David Gravels and the Sheldon Hodden Shields. Uh, who, who are poised to kind of become contenders. And I'm so excited to cover 410 cars this year. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be a part of Racing America. So I just want to give a, 
kind of a shout out to that and to fans who may not be familiar with 410 sprint car racing. There's some things that, you know, tune in for Casey Kane. You guys know who Casey is as, as, as a NASCAR driver, but he's going to be there full time. And I think that you will find the characters quote unquote in that, in that discipline really rewarding. And so I'm starting coverage of that, hopefully tomorrow, weather depending as tomorrow, today is when this is going to be launched. Wednesday is when that starts, Hmm. but also this weekend. Um, Remember People say, well, it's not speed weeks anymore. It's speed week. Well, it's it's still speed weeks if you love racing because yeah. 410 sprint cars, late models have already been, dirt late models have already been at Volusia and East Bay. And uh, we're going to start coverage of the World Series of Asphalt, which is super late models, mm-hmm. um, pro late models, tour type modifieds. The Wheel and Modified Tour kicks off oh. their season literally on wow. Saturday night. Wow. Um, yeah. wow. There's there's a lot of really cool things. Um Super Late Models, a brand new series started by Ricky Brooks, the famous or infamous tech man, depending on how you want to look at him, has started his own series. And that season starts on Saturday night at Citrus Raceway in Florida. (laughs) And so they've got Bubba Pollard, Ty Majeski, Derek Griffin. They're all going to be there. All the top guys are going to go down to Florida to race in in Ricky Brooks' series. And I'll be there for that one. I'm going to miss the Wheeling Modified Tour because of that. Um, but there's so much racing. USAC, USAC midgets start their season down at Ocala. And so I, I just, I, as, as a race car fan, first and foremost, I wanted to take a second to say we can talk about NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSAL, the F1, the kind of marquee races. But there's mm-hmm. so much racing, especially in Florida the next two weeks, that if, if you have any disposable income, and I know that's a hard ask of anyone, but if you really love racing and you've got a chance to spend a little income. bit of money. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Out there. <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of really good racing out there, and um, I would encourage anyone who wants to watch more racing and they're bummed that Speed Weeks is now Speed Week, and you want to watch racing yeah, this week. True. You don't have to wait until right. Daytona gets rolling Tuesday true. or Wednesday. There's racing today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, whatever. There's a whole list of stuff you could do. I know you you, you got one of those. You just pick one of those that Matt just listed, and wow. you still have a great time. Yeah, wow, That's crazy that is. Um, um, anything else before you wrap up, Zach? I don't think so. Um, again, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, we had a really, really um jam-packed episode today with you. As always, mm-hmm. you have so much to say. Um, you really add a lot to the podcast, so thank you mm-hmm. so much, um, listeners. Matt at Matt Weaver RA on Twitter. Um, I'll link your. Is there anything else to link? I'll link Racing America too. I'll remember to link Racing yeah. America. Um, all that will be down below in the description, of course. But again, Matt, thank you so much. Um, probably won't be the last time you'll you're on here. I, I hope not. Are, are you guys canceling me already? <laughs> every 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 time, every time I come on, I, I take up like I turn it into like three hour marathon. So I'm waiting Sorry. for you guys to be like. Shut up! We've had enough. Go away. <laughs> no, we love it. We love no, it. We love the last it. time? No, I hope no. not. No, you'll you we'll squeeze you in, or you will squeeze us in rather. Um, another time. Yeah, I will say this too. By the way, on that note, um, I I was kind of really picky or peculiar about scheduling for this episode, and we were, we were able to make it work out. But thank you for working with me. I don't know yeah. when I'm going to Florida right now because of the weather, but I could leave at any moment and doing the podcast now was really the only window that I had. And yeah, you guys yeah. took time out of your busy schedules to include yes. me and let me do this. So thank you. 
Oh, thank you so much, sure. Matt. All right, y'all. We will see you guys next week. We're going to be talking about um, Racing Pride in North America. So from Zach, from Alex, from Matt Weaver, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye.